0: You're listening to the American Soccer Analysis Show. Dude, you're you're the Tommy McNamara of podcasting. It's great. Thank you. Wait, what? With
1: your host, Ian Lamberson. If you say one more bad thing about Mike Grella, I'm going to cut you.
0: And Harrison Crow. Patrick Mullins is what happens when you least expect it. From the king.
1: Hello everybody and yes, welcome to the American Soccer Analysis Show. I'm your host, Ian. With me as always, man, we just broke the single season record for most podcast appearances in one year. It's Harrison
0: Crow. Say hey to everybody, Harrison. Yeah, it seems like I, I keep flopping all over the place. Uh I making like little groundhog appearances all over the place. Yeah,
1: people people you're in demand. The the, the crew the the I sorry, do- the Philadelphia Union wanna know what you're saying about them. They want to put that in a brush tip font. They want to tweet it. Um you're tastemaker, I'm not Harrison. the only
0: one that Philadelphia wants to, you know, to yeah. to plagiarize. So That's right.
1: <laughs> plagiarize. I think it's a, it's an attribution. Then, uh, okay, fair enough. Uh, yeah. So um, you know, you're a tastemaker now. Uh, you are one of MLS's uh, premium uh, opinion makers and take uh, take merchants. So uh, congratulations on that. Um. <laughs> What's I'm you? sure.
0: Don't worry. I'm sure you and Mark will will definitely uh, be there to uh, help uh, help bring me back down, <laughs> we'll bring you back
1: to earth. Yeah, because this 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 podcast is you coming home. This is your home base. This is where you feel the safest. Um, this is where you try your most experimental takes out uh, to a to a to to a sympathetic audience.
0: Is this like like a comedian like coming back to you know? It's funny. Uh, so uh, my wife and I have been watching Miss Maisel.
1: Yeah, it's a great show.
0: It is a phenomenal show. I, I you know, uh, it it was more of hey, my wife. I was like, you know, yeah, I'm sure you'd really like this. You know, Gilmore Girls creator. You know, there there seems like there's stuff that would be really interesting to you. I, I will watch it with you uh, because we take kind of take turns picking shows, and I absolutely think it's it, it is just wonderful. I think it's a great show.
1: Outstanding program. And, you know, folks, if you want to hear more about that, you should check out our Marvelous Miss Meisel podcast, which is launching next week, <laughs> where me and Harrison break down every episode, every line, um, and place it in its proper historical context.
0: Well, so, I mean, I, I have a friend that does comedy, uh, mm-hmm. Casey. You know, we, we've referenced him a couple times. I know. I of know course, he's, yeah. he's in our slack uh, every once in a while just to be uh, a fun irritant, I, I suppose, is a way to, to phrase that. And um, it, I guess for me it was like I kind of I I understood some more of you know what he goes through trying to trying to get things to work and, and stuff. So it, it was it was an appreciation for uh the the harder aspects of uh, of people and performance <laughs> uh, entertainment.
1: So you go out there on the what you're saying is you go out there on the road and like that's where you give him your best stuff your your A material your
0: A plus your I don't have jokes. a plus mater- you've, know, you've known me now for, <laughs> for 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 a good three years you know I have zero A material <laughs> but coming have- back to
1: the American soccer analysis show is like showing up to you know your your hometown comedy club at twelve thirty at night um you know just trying stuff out just you know Smaller, smaller crowd. Maybe, maybe it's a smaller crowd. We don't know. Probably.
0: It, it is true. I, I'm much more daring on this. <laughs> we are much more daring, both of us, on this than we are than we would be. That we say stuff on this on this that we would probably get lamb blasted if we if if we tried to use that anywhere else.
1: That's true. Um. All right. I got a stat of the week. I got three stats of the week. Really? Uh, yes. So, and, um, well, no, I didn't do any of this work. Uh, All credit goes to, I think Drew uh, put these together. (laughs) Uh, so, um, yeah, I did no work on
0: this, but, uh, this is of course the start of the week. Which, which, you know what? We don't do any work on start of the week. That is, that is up to the, this is the listener's portion. That is, that is their interactive part, right? That's true.
1: This is where they can express themselves.
0: Yeah. Um, all right. So. Uh, let's start with, in
1: 2017, Joseph Martinez, of course, we're going to talk about Joseph Martinez. All congratulations to, uh, Joseph Martinez for breaking the, uh, you know, goal scoring record last week. Well done. Uh, in 2017, uh, had 12.9 expected goals on 67 shots. Um, in 2018, he has 24.1 expected goals on only 77 shots. So that is indeed interesting, isn't it?
0: it's it's interesting in that he's basically taking uh half a shot less per game and which is a lot which is a substantial amount actually um really when you start uh breaking it down and then he's still getting more expected goals from open play not just like this isn't including penalties this is open play it's 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 really phenomenal really honestly
1: yeah um you know i think that we i wrote last week yes it was last week um we kind of talked or i kind of talked about how i think that i see a lot of that 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 kind of term finishing it thrown around on joseph martinez a lot and i usually don't mind it because i think i know what people mean um and i don't mind it as a concept i think i probably mind it less than a lot of people um you know over at asa but uh you know, I do kind of think it's a bit of a an undersell on Joseph Martinez because it, it it really does not like he's not good at just kicking the ball or whatever. Like he's just so good at movement and so good at getting into spots and reading defenses and just a smart player. Like he's scoring all these goals are like, you know, from a few yards away. Like, I mean, we've seen the shot charts, you know, they one from outside the box, I think, like not many from beyond the penalty spot. Uh You know, he's just a good, smart player. Like, you do it once, like, good job, you know, you gotta tap in. You do it twice, good job, you gotta tap in. You do it 20 something times, you think you're pretty good at getting there, at getting into these spots, you know?
0: No, I mean, all right, so if we wanted to take a look at, you know, uh, kind of how, I guess we kind of look at uh, XG uh, per shot, right? And if we do it in that capacity, we, we have a really interesting uh, grouping of players that basically it comes down to um, since going back to, I guess it would be 2015, because that's kind of the last time that we had uh, XG data for, with minutes. Um, yeah, I, Joseph Martinez is has the highest XG per shot. And... and um I mean honestly probably I I don't want to say it what it's not even close like as if you know um <laughs> it it feels a little disingenuous to say something like that uh mm-hmm. but he's, uh, yeah, yeah it's yeah. really good and even if you look at like per 96 going back to 2015 on individual seasons um the top all the top 10 players have at least 3 shots in xg per uh per 96 so Ola Kamara with 73 Albert Elise with 57 uh you know David Villa um with all these guys and what they have is like you see three and a half shots four shots almost five shots three and a half three and a half and then Joseph Martinez 2.9 yeah he's um you know
1: uh, (laughs) we've kind of talked a lot about uh we've we've seen people sort of say that Joseph Martinez is kind of like an analytics busting style player that kind of breaks models. Uh not so much this year. He's actually been one of our biggest uh success stories, I think.
0: Yeah, and and I think in some ways you could say um you know, and and I don't want to th- I don't know or have the complete quote or thought, but someone basically one of the uh well-known analytics guys basically said they thought that Joseph Martinez could be replaced because, you know, a lot of his shots are based on placement. It's not um, on him finding a spot and the service that's provided to him. But the, that is uh, my pushback yeah. on that is that is the peak. high percentage. I'm sorry.
1: So that's peak. Yeah. All right. Uh, I had the best single season goal scoring guy. We can replace him.
0: Well, all right. So I will say I think you can replace eighty percent to eighty five percent of what Joseph's done. Yeah, I mean, that's if, you in with, Kamara, well, if you throw an Ola Kamara, if you throw an Ola Kamara, I think you can get. I I really do. I think you could get about eighty to eighty five percent. If you throw an Albert Elise, uh, you get about eighty percent. If you if Kyle Laren were to come back to MLS, I think you'd get eighty percent, maybe maybe seventy five. percent Maybe discount that a little bit more. But I think you could I think you could get a good chunk. I think you could get over twenty goals in the Atlanta system. Joseph Martinez is a little bit systemic, uh, systemic. He's a little bit of a systematic. Uh, He's a, he's a product of the
1: system is what you're saying
0: absolutely and and um he's not jazzy's right like Zardes is fantastically interesting for different reasons right um mm-hmm. he is constantly there and the joke with columbus is you know you could take a guy off the street and um and have them score uh, 20 goals in Columbus's system because, you know, all you have to do is basically tap it in. And that's, that's, they are, they are happy Gilmore. They're just going to tap, tap, tap it in. But, you know, you say it, we, all, we all can make that joke, but Adam Yawn hasn't been used for a reason. Uh, Jesse's artists and Ola Kamara and Kai Kamara for that matter, all three of them have an innate skill. And that is that they're plus athletes. All of them are plus athletes. Are really good with yeah. running. All of them are really good with their positioning. Um, they they do things a little all a little bit variant uh, from each other, right? Like Ola Kamara, was different from Kai Kamara and had a little bit of a differentiating skill set. Um, Jezzy is is a little bit different than Ola Kamara in how he operates, but they're all basically. Plus athletes, and that was that was the takeaway. You don't let them touch the ball much. Um, have them take that finishing shot. Joseph Martinez is similar to bring it back to to bring it back to Joseph Martinez. It, he's similar in the sense that he's going to be a plus plus athlete, but all his other and he's not going to touch the ball a lot. I mean, let's let's face this, right? Like his touch percentage is only 4.6 uh percent versus uh Jesse Zardes is like um 6%. So, I mean, that was uh, oh that was from 2018 2017 and 2018. So that was with the Galaxy. Hold on one second. Let me uh yeah, f- okay. So it's Zardes is 4.2% right now. Martinez is 4.6. So they're really similar in how they operate. Uh Martinez from Zardes. The difference for me is that you have Martinez uh, almost is a Zardes on like some substantial drug. Uh he, he's just Physically better, he's uh, Wondolowski-esque with how he knows his movement and moving into the box. He's just really insanely good. And so um, there's a part of me that says, yeah, you could probably find it. You know, if some EPL team is going to come in and throw you know tons of TV dollars at you, um, and even further enable your organization to um, have more gam that you're going to make off that sale, you know. That's that's phenomenal. Yeah, you can probably get uh 75 to 85 percent based based off of who you get, and maybe you do get a, another Joseph Martinez type that can continue doing that. But the reality is, um, he's really good, and he's he's not just any other MLS player. Even though his expected goals, there's there's a little bit of. And I hate using this word. There's a little bit of art to what he does, right? And it's more than he has more parts that are there than just um, than just taking that final shot.
1: Well, okay, but I mean, what we're talking about essentially, I think, more than anything else, is we're talking about speed, though, right?
0: Um, but it's not just speed. Like he 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 has break. Definitely has that downhill running, like jerome bettis marshawn lynch like i'm just going to barrel you over uh football mentality like he runs like a running back kind of uh, yeah
1: well i mean more than so than speed his acceleration is outstanding and this is how yeah, he gets yeah. to a lot of these balls um but, but like,
0: he but he's a he the way he lines himself up like um it, it, it going back to lowered expectations uh you sent me the gif of him in uh In Orlando uh, with Jonathan Spector, who's Jonathan Spector is a really smart uh, center back. He kind of has to be at this stage, very similar to Michael Parkhurst because he has, you know, physical skill set that is uh, diminishing. Um, So he's able to, Spector is really reliant on keeping spacing, uh, being really smart about that movement, and he has to be. But what was phenomenal about it was he was able to kind of, out Fox Specter and the movement, not just the fact that he has an amazing first like two three steps to the ball. It's the fact that he watched Specter have to jump back on that offside line, and right when that happened, he he broke. Like he waited for that to happen. He saw it developing, and that's when he broke for it. And because he did that, he got the inside part of Specter and had first dibs to that ball. And look, Jonathan Spector has been out. So there's a little bit of rust, but that's just, that's just really smart. That's not like, uh, (laughs) it's not as simple as, well, you know, he's really good at kicking the ball. That's timing that stuff that, you know, you can spend a whole lifetime trying to teach. Um, I am a firm believer in, in positioning matters and, more so, you know, you talked about finishing. I think positioning and understanding those things are really – when we talk about finishing, that's more of what I believe is a true finishing skill, and it comes out in expected goals.
1: Yeah, and I think that, that that's something I agree with, and that was the kind of the – that was what I concluded as well when I read about this. And it, I think it, it's, it, it's not at all to say, like, when I say speed is a big deal here, I'm not at all trying to discredit Joseph Martinez for having other attributes. He certainly does. Um, you know, it's just pointing out that this is, I think, a big factor in this. Like when we talk about Jossi's artists, when we talk about like guys that are doing this, that are this type of score, um, you know, they're not Chris Wondolowski. Like they're not just sort of this – like it, it would be silly to ask, like, act like, you know, that they don't – like Wondolowski, very good at movement, you know, doesn't have that speed. Like that's not part of his skill set, I don't think. I don't think people would say that. Um, No,
0: but you could also say, like, Wondolowski and BWP, who I I would associate in that same kind of category of striker, they're really good passers. Like, good possession-oriented forwards, right? Yeah, 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 that's that's their game. I I, I don't think Martinez is... I I think that that's... (laughs) I don't know if that's a skill set he really has, and I think, you know uh putting him in that position to where he doesn't have to lean on it um, in any way uh, is smart. Yeah. No, I,
1: you know, you look at, at at Joseph Martinez of of past. I did, you know, kind of take a look at him back in Italy, um, you know, where he was not utilized properly at all, in my opinion. I mean, I don't know how well he would have done. Uh, you know, I don't think Torino was, like, using this particular system that Atlanta is or anything like it. Um, and you just saw the difference it makes. You know, it was just a good, um, you know, i I'm trying to remember who But, like, I think maybe somebody looked at and was like, oh, fast, small dudes are like, pretty good at MLS scoring. <laughs> like, let's get one of those. And they found one that's even better, uh, you know, at being that, that focal point uh, of an attack and being that, that last touch on the ball. Um. So yeah, I don't know. I I I tell you what though, if Atlanta re- re- if Justin Martinez leaves and Atlanta just brings in someone else and replace.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No. And not only that, but eighty to eighty five percent of his production plus have money left over. Um. That's. I mean, I, that's that's no good for the rest of the. League. <laughs>
1: That is some peak confidence uh, in, in you know just the way things go <laughs> when it comes to the world of soccer markets. Uh, but hey, they, they've, they've you know been more or less um, you know perfect in the transfer market so far. So I would I you know I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised to see them get another hit there.
0: They're going to have to regress at some point. Well, are they Harrison?
1: Are they? Don't
0: look like it. Uh, well, I don't mean that them as a team like I don't think there's anything to regress to presently um they they're a really i you know they're a really good soccer team and you know, surprise they like they sorry to catch you off guard analytics um they're a really good soccer team yeah um so uh moving from really good soccer teams
1: to the other end of that spectrum it's our second set of the week. <laughs> Uh, Colorado's 0.18 expected goals at home on Saturday was the lowest for a team this year and sixth lowest for a home team since 2011. Uh, Now, I think this was the two red cards game, which we'll do that to you. Um, This was, I'm sure this was the game where I saw one, right? Six nothing. Was that this one? Okay. Um, I alluded to it a little bit earlier this week, and we were talking about this ourselves earlier, that... Uh we've seen a lot of positive press for Colorado over the last few weeks because you know they seem to be quote unquote fun they seem to be quote unquote good better
0: well, I think from the eye test you can you can at least say they they're interesting right
1: yeah, they're interesting um I mean not to me <laughs> I don't know who they're i uh I don't know I don't see like this is like a very um, you know, it's been several weeks, uh, you know, since they've gotten over an expected goal in a game again, that goes back to like the beginning of August. Um, you know, they had a nice showing against LA. They they put together a couple of good matches there and I could see the reason for people to kind of go, Hey, okay. All right. Maybe this is it. Maybe the whole time it was Kellen Acosta was the, was the secret that, that, that we required on the way. Uh, but honestly, I, it's, this is still just so far from a, 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 complete and coherent, uh, you know, soccer team, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, so going back, I mean, if you if you look at it in the month of August, uh, they've they've barely been above one expected goal as a team. Um, if you take it back to like look at just July, they they start to kind of raise their heads a little bit. It's like that it goes like to, well, up to one point three seven or something like that. It gets kind of interesting, and that's it. Like if you include all that time together, they still—if uh, you do July and August together—they're still in the bottom three of expected goals for. This is not a good team. I mean, they're—they're—they're they're, they're not. They might be interesting now because they have a young U.S. Uh, player that had uh, some appearances with the team. I think Kellen Acosta has a lot of talent, um, just from a, a visual eyeball test, but none of the underlying numbers can validate that. And I think part of that is because he's so inconsistent. And I think that the idea that they got better by simply just adding Kellen Acosta is kind of silly because they took their, their one realistic weapon away from that team, which was, you know, uh, Dominic Bagi and, you know, he's their one realistic weapon because he had speed and could run downhill fast and create some opportunities. And that is a team that depended upon three, you know, basically creating three or to four decent above average chances. And Baji was usually good for two of those. Now you're reliant on Jack McBean to try to make some sort of low. Uh, and, and look, I, I, I don't... Jack mcbean is an interesting player he's caught my eye a couple times with what he does I wish I wish there was like one other facet to his game that he could just add one other tool and I think he'd be a really interesting player but he he, he doesn't have all the tools to be an mls regular right now and even to be come off the bench there's still some it still has to make sense in some capacity. And I don't think it does right now. Um, I think he's a really hard worker, um, but you can't just send 11 really hard workers out there. There has to be some talent. And, you know, okay, so you send 10 out there and Kellen Acosta and hope Acosta does some sort of magic. And yeah, he scored, what, like a goal in his first game or something, that, or two. Um, That's, that's, again, that just speaks to... um, kind of the the chaos that is is associated with this talent because we're still not seeing it in the numbers a a month and a half later like we should at least just looking at that time that he spent with the club you should at least start to see something and you know uh from even from expected goals against we're not seeing a decrease we're not seeing a measured approach from that diamond yet Um, we're not seeing what we might see it to be interesting. We might see some observances that are like, wow, okay, that was a really cool, uh, couple of passes to open up some players, but nothing came of it. Maybe it'll, maybe this is the opening. Maybe this is the start of something. Well, again, a month and a half later, we're still not seeing that fruition. Um, so maybe it, maybe it comes, comes to be, um, I, I think, realistically speaking, right now, they are who we thought they were, and they need better players.
1: Yeah, I don't think any of that has changed. I don't even think I don't know. I, it just, I Colorado is the sort of team that that you you root for. I mean, I don't know that anybody hates the Colorado Rapids or wants to see the Colorado Rapids be miserable. Um, maybe RSL people, I don't know who their, their rivalry is, but it, it's sort of a situation where, uh, you know, they they have a, a little engine that could quality about them that I can see being appealing and I can see wanting to highlight positive steps that we see and, and, and just acknowledge, when, you know, when there are good decisions made. But, you know, I think when we look at mainly one thing changed before this quote-unquote renaissance of Colorado. And that was this Kellen Acosta trade. And I just don't... You kind of hit on his inconsistency, which I think is maybe what we see that's changed from Kellen Acosta, hype man of the future, um, you know, heir to the, the, the keys of the United States men's national team midfield. I think he was a good young player that was consistent, and that was what was really impressive about him. It was never anything that was out and out you know, eye popping. There was no aspect of his game that you were like, oh my gosh, this kid can flat out blank. He was just a good, consistent player. And that left him. And I don't know what else is there to see. And I know that I've been extremely harsh on Kellen Acosta on this show and, and, and all over the place. Uh, I do think that, like you said, there's obviously, you know, flashes of something there. But without that consistency, he's just going to be Colorado's problem now.
0: Yeah, uh, and I think that that's exactly what he kind of is, right? He's he's uh, kind of their problem, and, and probably problem in a good way, because, like I said, I still see something there. I think um, you can probably go out there to the international market that's not uh, Wolverhampton and, and try to uh, find some pieces. They that, can't, though. They can't. <laughs> I don't know if they I can. Yeah, I don't know if they're allowed or not. Um, but you can probably go out there and find some pieces. Now that you have... If he's gonna be your, your legitimate, this is our cornerstone, this is how we're how we're building our team, um, you can go out there and you can find some pieces that, you know, complement this offseason. I I think I think that's a realistic expectation. I think that's that's kind of the next step forward, right?
1: Yeah, and to be fair, and I don't wanna leave this out when I say problem, if this is a problem that you can solve you are rewarded with an extremely uh, good piece, like uh, something that most MLS teams would be jealous of, uh, you know, having, uh, you know, and, and somebody with a future uh, to kind of grow as well. Uh, he's still quite young, so I, don't want to, I don't want to be overly negative there, but, but that's just kind of my feeling on is that right now, if now you've taken Dallas's inconsistent young, you know, midfield player and made him Colorado's inconsistent young midfield player with talent, that hasn't really helped you that much. That's all I'm saying.
0: Yeah, no, I, I no, I think that's uh, I I think that's a totally fair. Um...
1: Well, good because no one else will think that that's totally fair. So I'm glad I have your support. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> all right,
1: uh, let's move on to our third and final stat of the week. And you know what, Harrison, we never got the stat of the week theme. Uh, I'm sorry. Badoop, 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 badoop. There we go. uh this one's actually gonna fold into our deep dive of the week, so uh we'll consider this our segue and transition into that uh because and drew, I'm sorry, you can turn this off now. We're about to talk Seattle uh start of the week, Seattle is outperforming their expected goals difference by ten goals. that is a lot nothing else to say um obviously, you know we're kinda, kind of kind of Seattle's it was very bad to start the season. Um, they were not getting any results. Uh, you could say that Luck was not in their corner. Uh, luck seems to have very much been in their corner lately. Uh, they are on seven wins in a row. They uh, have vaulted into a playoff spot. I am um, surprised at just how, when you think about Portland, um, you know, being unbeaten for so long and being everybody saying like, wow, this is a really good Portland team. Like this is a solid Portland team. Seattle's basically caught them, uh, which is incredible to me um, considering how bad they were for so long. And we've seen a lot of people have kind of gone back and said like, well, you know, we don't know why the Seattle team is actually doing so good now because they don't seem super different from when they weren't. Um, And their underlying numbers seem to kind of suggest that there's not a huge difference as well. I have been at a loss myself to kind of explain it away with some easily pointed to thing. I think it's got to be some combination of things. And so uh, what you got, Harrison, Is is Seattle good now?
0: so it, we talked about this kind of all right first of all drew uh, I hope you didn't turn this off because I uh, you know I, I will openly admit something right now and i I really if you're from Portland and you think that this is a bias uh, podcast from here on out understand I1,000 percent thought Portland was the better team they got completely unlucky on a couple occasions yeah they took a lot of low leverage shots but But in addition to that, they also had some pretty favorable high leverage opportunities too. Um, Looking at it, Portland had about, I think it was 60% chance based off of the type of shots that they took and the type of shots that Seattle took. If you run that simulation six times... Portland wins it about six times. There's a draw twice and Seattle wins twice. So it's, it, or maybe it was something along those lines. Maybe Seattle only wins once. Uh, it, it just, it underlying the fact that Portland's been really good. They've, run into a kind of a streak of bad luck as much as seattle's kind of run into a good luck so i kind of want to balance this out just a little bit and not just like oh they lost to portland and portland's look when you win what eight straight nine straight games is that what it is like seattle yeah
1: seattle's won seven straight they're unbeaten in 10
0: okay so uh, that's 21 points right off the bat right like that's throwing an extra 21 points at at your team over over a month and a half is amazing like it is amazing and Seattle fans shouldn't feel hard done by what I'm about to say because that's that's an accomplishment if you're Brian Schmetzer that's an accomplishment right like regardless of how you got those 21 points you got those 21 points you you're walking into the play. You're at least walking into the front door of the playoffs right now. Uh, if the da- if the season ended, so that's something to work off of. That being said, I look at Seattle in three different in three different ways. Right? Tactically, first off, they are really doing a great job of pushing low leverage shots. This is something that they were really good at during Siggy uh, Schmidt's time. And it's something that uh they're kinda getting back to. Um they kinda got into this um really good mentality of just denying all shots. And with Kim Keehee and Chad Marshall as the kind of starting pairing, now it's becoming more of um they're a, they're being okay with some of the low level shots that are low leverage shots that are you know being taken. And Seattle got burned early on. With a couple of those low leverage shots, you think back to like Sebastian uh, Salcedo, who just absolutely had that mind-boggling shot that uh, somehow Stephen Fry like got a fingertip on, uh, but it had nothing that like it still burned that place down. Like it was an amazing shot, but it was such. I I think it had a two percent chance of going in. And so this is this is where Seattle's at, and they're they're doing better. They're basically concentrating on eliminating those high leverage opportunities and those mistakes that happen inside the 18 yard box, which is from a tactical perspective, they're just staying more compact. They're doing better uh, in that 18 yard box. That's going to, that's going to push luck in your favor. Right. Um, and there's nothing wrong with having luck in your favor. And that's number two, right? They are getting ridiculously lucky. They are they are getting ridiculously lucky their their expected goals <clears throat> and again this is partially because they're allowing a lot of shots during this time frame their expected goals though is still pretty it's lower than what it was to in the first half of the season but it's still not great it's still about middle of the ro- road but because i've, I've it's,
1: got here i've got uh before this run it was 14 uh, goals allowed expected. They allowed 21. Um, <clears throat> it's now 13.4 since then, and they've allowed five. Right. So So that's uh, a big difference is all I'm saying. I'm agreeing. No, well,
0: I mean, that kind of leads to the luck, right? Um, at a certain point in time, if you're going to... Um, and, and we talked about this early on in the season with SKC, right? And the fact that SKC was just taking tons of and they still are taking tons and tons of low leverage shots they're going to take the shots that that they're going to be given opportunity they're not gun shy in the slightest the other side of that coin is that uh for seattle none of those shots are going in presently and some of that is due to the compactness of an organization and some of that's just bad luck from the for, for for the opponent And that happens. And that's so. if you're Seattle, you're like, that's okay. I'm all right with that, right? Um, That's not going to hurt your feelings. Um, But at the same time, you have to realize that there's going to be a day that those low leverage shots are just going to find those upper corners. That's just inevitable it's going to happen and you're going to have a team throw up 3 4 goals on you and just get hot from outside and and that happens and that's going to happen it, it's just saying the seattle defense is so much better is it, such a it's such a crappy it, it's such a easy way out right well i mean it's it, not yet, to disparage they have, they have a good talent level right like kim gee <laughs> has been good chad marshall still really good
1: Chad Marshall's been excellent. Kim Kehy, I think, has been an improvement over Roman Torres has been in past years. Without a doubt. And Without a doubt. Anyone that's was, listened
0: to this show for the last year and a half knows yeah. I have qualms with Roman Torres. But and
1: This was not a bad defense in the past couple of years either.
0: No. Um, they, well, you've I, got
1: – okay, I'm hold on. Um, no, uh, yeah, go ahead. Um, Stefan Fry, always a good goalkeeper putting up the best goalkeeping numbers of his career, having his best this season. I'd say his career best year so far. Um, <clears throat> you know, uh, Kelvin Leerdam just essentially being, you know, good uh, new who, and then Brad Smith coming in also very good. Uh, you've had a Alonzo who in the last few games has returns for this Ozzy Alonzo form. All of a sudden this kind of ball Hawk, um, you know, he's been excellent. Svensson's been solid. I mean, like, yes, Again, they have been lucky. We know that like that's what happens when teams start playing well. That is like not teams very rarely play well and get results despite bad luck like that's not a thing that you see happen a lot um, mm,
0: I don't know about that
1: okay what it, sure go ahead
0: no i i think look you can i I think you can be unlucky, have calls go against you have you know, penalties or or so on and so forth go against you, and I think that if you're a good team, you can overcome it. I don't think Seattle's a good team, still. Like, I, I just I I legitimately I think they're a pretty average MLS team, and I know that that's a really bold statement to say, like, as they're at seven games uh, winning streak. That's what the second longest in MLS history, or s- some yeah, it's to, something uh, like that. Such, but. And look, it's not just me, just not trying to be, uh, you know, an anti-Homer. I, I, I love that what they're doing. I just don't think it's sustainable.
1: Um. Yeah. I. Okay. But what I'm saying is that I don't think that there's. I don't know. I don't. I don't necessarily agree. Like we'd have to. You'd have to show me examples of teams that have overcome um you know uh you know bad luck to to the degree that Seattle Seattle was dealing with earlier
0: fair enough uh, fair enough you know
1: but i i think that you know when you talk about injuries you talk about all these things that go into like quote unquote luck um balls bouncing p- calls going your way there's a number of things like we I, I we don't have a luck index we don't make one because it's silly um you know cuz like there's so many like things that could be called luck that happen in soccer um, and to a certain degree to control that. And I've said on this show before about Atlanta, and I'll say it about Seattle now, Like it, it's better to be lucky than good, but it's best to be both. And I, I think Seattle have been both. I think they've been very lucky, and they've also been very, very good. They, they've, Whatever they've decided to do, um, you know, they're, it's been effective. And I don't think you can just put that down to luck. I think that, that adding Ruiz has made that offense more interesting and more difficult and less predictable, which is, I think, the main problem it had early on in the season. Um I, I think that Lodero has come back into, like, excellent form. You know, I think that Roldan has finally settled on that wing a bit and become a, a, a contributor there. Um, I don't know. I, I, I'm just not willing to just throw this all up and just be like, oh, well, Seattle were, had bad luck and now they have good luck and that's all that there is to this. I, I think that's a bit reductive.
0: See, the problem that I have... So, you talk about Rue Diaz. Seattle's still only throwing up 1.2 expected goals for. Like, we were talking and kind of mocking uh, Colorado. But, I mean, if you want to go take it back from the 1st of July, uh, Colorado's... The difference between Colorado's attack and Seattle's attack is 0.1 goal. Uh, Basically, a a 15th of a goal uh, difference, which, I mean... Well, we're not talking about much. We're not we're not Right, but yeah. Okay. I mean they're giving. they're giving up more in expected goals against than they are getting from their strikers. And that to me is unsustainable.
1: I think <laughs> Like, I mean I, that's not it, a more
0: I I will totally give you. I think Rua Diaz is an upgrade uh, at at that position, and I think that he's going to do better. He's had some good moments, uh, moments that haven't ne- that they've not necessarily capitalized on, but they need to be more consistent. Uh, Ladero's had a ama- had a couple of amazing games over the stretch of seven, but a couple of amazing games in a stretch of seven isn't. Like and you know how I feel about Ladero. I absolutely love him probably more than any other m l s player um but I don't think he's back like there I still feel I still feel like there's something missing, and that's couple that with just where they're at with the expected goals and how they're um how they're sitting right now. I just feel like they're bound to regress. And if they regress, all this goodwill that they've managed to put forth in this month and a half it is quickly going to crumble away. And they're going to be battling again for their lives in the last month.
1: Well, I mean, we'll, <clears throat> we'll certainly see. That is uh that is an interesting, uh, an interesting take. The, um, it's like a fairly forgiving-ish schedule on the way in, I'd say.
0: They do. They do have a really good schedule going forward, which is probably one of the reasons to to maybe to maybe think that it might even out. Um, that that luck, if it does kind of uh, dry up, that and again, speaking to I think if they have the talent level to be a really good team, they have the talent level. The talent level's not an issue. And when I say that they're an average ish team, I'm not talking about the talent. The talent and the capabilities that they have um, is probably head to head with every team. Uh, and to be quite honestly, any team in MLS. Right. But then. My, my issue is that I just don't see it uh, realized all at once.
1: Yeah. I think part of that talent, though, is going to be, I don't, I want to say that one thing I, I, I find that, that Seattle does well, I think is, and you hit on this a little bit earlier, is that they're very, um, selective a lot in what they allow, um. And I think it is a team that is mainly like back heavy, like despite the new attackers and Ladero and, and Roldan. Like, you know, I, I think this is a team that does build foundationally on defense. I think that's a Brian Schmetzer thing. It was a, it was kind of a Siggy Schmidt thing, too. I think that that was baked into their DNA a bit. Um, and so they're not going to be this team that's going to do, you know, Atlanta style, just pepper shots and throw up 100 XG on, on, on teams. And like,
0: except for what did they do last year?
1: I did like yeah, but that was yeah, but yes, okay. They had good XG last year. Yes, they were they were very good.
0: They were but they were just really good. They were the top in MLS last year in expected goals for. So I, I guess the other side of me is they don't have to be, uh, I and yeah, I don't think they have to be Atlanta, who's averaging two and a half uh, expected goals right now, which is just like, yeah, uh, that was just over that stretch from July first, but. they can be something that's better than what they are right now and get those, get those, become that good team, right? Take that next step. That's, that's all I was trying to say.
1: Yeah. Well, uh, we do have quite an interesting run in to see how that all goes down. Uh, It's shaping up to be a little exciting in the West with FC Dallas falling off the pace a little bit. LAFC finding a little bit less success than they were earlier in the year. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's uh it's gonna be an interesting race and right you know,
0: now ap- after after we kind of like call like told dc like dallas don't worry you know last year um i feel like this year um we've been really honest with dallas and been like jobs coming right
1: yeah no it's it's been uh yeah they lost twice to san jose in the last month i think that's not <sighs> it's not excellent
0: no it's not excellent
1: um Maybe they shouldn't trade Kylan Acosta. Uh,
0: <laughs> all right. Maybe they should have traded for Chris Wondolowski.
1: Maybe they should have.
0: All right. Let's let's uh,
1: let's move to our last segment. It's a new segment. It's almost there. Uh, it's Harrison's Young Guns. What have you got for us, Harrison? What do you want to talk about this week? Play your oh, kids. I kind of
0: mentioned it uh, during uh, Lowered Expectations, which will uh, be out at your newsstands at the time of your li- this listening. Uh, please feel free to uh, walk by, pick up the paper, have a Um, look-see, AmericanSoccerAnalysis.com. So we've been forced to watch a lot of young players over this year kind of ride the bench. You know, Andrew Carlton was kind of hoped to have gotten a couple starts. Even with uh, the injuries and then the team suspension to Barco, we really haven't necessarily seen Andrew Carlton – uh, step into that spot, which has been mildly disappointing. Um, I say mildly because the other side of it is Julian Gressel's been really good. Um, and, and around MLS in general, there always seems to be like there's three or four different guys that you can kind of point to uh, for Dallas, pa- uh, Paxton Pomical. We talked about uh, Handwalla B- Bawana uh, a couple weeks ago. Um, for right now, with what NYCFC is doing, it, it's Jonathan Lewis and they kind of have some games coming up from what i understand he's expected to make his first start to uh at the time of this listening it'll probably be tomorrow but uh saturday i just don't fathom patrick Vieira. this this is this is the one area that i don't I, I've never understood Patrick Vieira, and I'm sure that there's a purpose. Well, Toret
1: now, Toret, but yes.
0: Right, 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 and, and um, you know, talking with uh, our, our friend Dummy Run over at NYC, um, he he did mention that uh, Dom's given him, I think it's like eight runouts, uh, substitution appearances since he's uh, since he's shown up, and and to be perfectly honest, the buzz is that he kind of has a, a similar perspective as Patrick Vieira, right? Um, Patrick Vieira sat on him for 18 months. And it was kind of frustrating because, you know, right now we have about 600 minutes. And what we see from Jonathan Lewis in those 600 minutes is that he's an above average winger, an above average 21 year old winger sitting on the bench. And not only that, he's sitting on the bench as with a really small salary that, I mean, when we talk about MLS and flipping assets like this is the asset that you want to invest in because he's costing you very little and yeah so sitting him on the bench doesn't cost you very much but if you invest in him as already a a, a potential player you're going to be able to cash in on that investment and flip that for more and one thing that we're seeing with nyc is they are in grave need they keep running Rodney Wallace out and uh, Rodney Wallace is probably the ever he is the answer to probably the Mendoza line for, uh, for soccer and if you're not familiar with the Mendoza line uh, it, it's a baseball reference that's basically what is um, what is the level of replacement like not just average what is replacement level? Rodney Wallace is near replacement level at this stage. And look, I, I I felt like he came on really strong. He had some really nice appearances. Every once in a while, he has a really nice. Uh, he does. He either has a really good run or um, he, he scores a goal, which doesn't happen very often. He has a great engine and he has a great attitude. He's gonna work hard for you, and that always rings managers' bells.
1: Yeah, of course.
0: But what Jonathan Lewis is able to do, um, comparatively, has shown to be heads and tails above Rodney Wallace. And uh, for a team that's been struggling without David Viet, and they're they're about to make this transition away from him in the next 12 months, um, they're not in... The only thing they're competing for is one of the the, the number two spot, either whether that's between Atlanta and uh, the Red Bulls. That's really what they're trying to get out of that play-in game. That's the only thing that they really have. They're not a supporter. I don't think they're a supporter shield uh, com- competitor right now. They, I suppose they're in that mix. But with the games that they have going forward, I, I kind of feel like there's they're the lowest probability of the real contenders, right? Um, for either Atlanta or New York Red Bulls. So you're kind of at a situation to where you have some games that you <laughs> – feel bad for saying this – that aren't must-win, right? Uh, I mean, if they want
1: to be in that second I, I know, spot, I know they're people all are going to be right, –
0: because, you know – uh, no one wants to kick away games, right? Like no one wants to just be like, "Well, these games don't matter," um, and, and, and it's not that they don't matter, but you can. I, I feel like you can kind of experiment with them, and I don't feel so many times in MLS we want it. We we try to act as if every game matters, and, and look, um, <laughs> the reality is is that out of thirty four games. 25 of them matter, you have about nine games you can usually kind of generally experiment with. And that's just kind of going off my head. I'm sure we could probably have a, a, a better in-depth granular discussion going through some data about how many games really matters um, to kind of differentiate yourself.
1: Yeah, it, it depends on your on your
0: I, I, I just feel like you have some games ahead you have Chicago, who's honestly, they're just not good. You have Montreal, um, and then you got Minnesota. You have three games that you can get Jonathan Lewis opportunities. And then he's going to probably start against uh, Columbus this weekend as well. You have, that would give you four games to kind of give you an idea. Does this guy press? Does he run off the ball? Does he do all those little things that um, we can't measure presently with ASA with the ASA database what else is are you missing from his game that isn't embedded in Rodney Wallace right Um, and and what's the difference what's the cost what's the expense of playing him over over Rodney Wallace and I think you need to use these in games and you need to invest in him And, and I think Dominic Turek has done that to an extent but I think he needs some starts I think that you're going to have to dig more, and I think you're going to have to have more than 600 minutes to be able to tell you that. I think you need, uh, for me presently, when I usually look at a database, the first thing I do is skim the first 1,000 minutes. Like if you have don't have a thousand minutes, usually I generally it, it it kind of flies below my radar at this point in the season. So that's that's just my opinion. It's
1: interesting too. Uh, MICFC, you know, they didn't. They spent, you know, a decent amount to get him, too, or to get up into that spot to draft him. I think it was like 325000
0: <sighs> I don't think they're... I, look, and this isn't a, a knock on, uh, on them as a team. I think they're a really good team. I think they're probably the third best team in MLS. Uh, probably. Uh, but... <sighs> Look, it, it, they they just they're probably not going to compete with the Red Bulls unless th- this cluster of games completely sets back the Red Bulls. That's probably not going to happen. Yeah. There's I nothing mean, wrong yeah. with that. Yeah. It's no, okay they're, to they're be third best, top right? Top like tier they, there's say, I, in, in this league, yeah. <laughs> I am I I just, you know, I, I don't I wouldn't want to waste games. Uh, you want to get the most out of every single game. And I think that there's opportunities and some of those games to play certain players that you need to have valuable data on. And yes, you have practice data on it. And, you know, uh, the majority of teams all have some type of physio, um, network that they uh they track that data and they understand and they can compare and that's really for the health of the player and and helping them grow as individuals and keep the, their lives in check um that's part of part of being a modern athlete that's not going to tell you how good they are at finding those those shots in the box how good they are at passing how good they are at um at, at taking shots and finding shots and creating their own shots um I I, th- I really sincerely believe you need to use the games that you have in hand to help grow these younger players on your team. Hashtag player kids. Hashtag
1: Harrison's young guns. Uh, that's all we got time for today. Do Please do not make that a thing. I'm going to make it a thing. Uh, you can follow Harrison on Twitter and tweet that hashtag him. Uh, you can find him at Harrison underscore Crow. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at a handle for Ian follow american soccer analysis at analysis of all. please visit the website www.americansocceranalysis.com great articles so much content so much content this week xpg check it out it's worth looking at it's the way of the future.
0: x narratives by and by ian it, it's amazing it was it, it brought up a couple of really great points that i've been wanting to i've been uh, wanting to kick around so uh, including that that topic on colorado which is excellent uh, yes, I, there you can find
1: that there as well. Uh, I find lowered expectations and stuff from all of us here at uh, the American Soccer Analysis Family. Thank you so much for listening. We will be back next week and until easy then kid. enjoy the soccer!
2: Take it easy kid No I've never done the drugs that you did I imagine they would go right to my head All our jackets piled upon Sleep all the way back home Headlights about